So uh, Bernadette is back to talk with me um, on Australian cinema, apparently. I'm <laughs> Don't you mean Balinese cinema? <laughs> just now realized <laughs> <laughs> that uh, George and Julia went to a uh, truck to Australia to, to film this, this uh, I guess, revitalization of the rom-com genre. And we have Australia to thank for being so hospitable to our... American movie stars. The, Do you feel proud? During the pandemic, you know, we, we gave COVID to Tom Hanks, mm -hmm. um, you know. <laughs> oh, so this is... And so, you know, we, we kind of thought, let's get George and Julia over here and um, see what we can do, <laughs> what sort of magic we can make. Yes, thankfully, uh, all worked out for uh, Mr. Hanks. I don't know what you felt about his performance in Elvis. I don't know. Maybe it would have been the best. <laughs> maybe he was still suffering not. from COVID when... <laughs> maybe. Maybe. Actually, has anyone brought that up in a review that maybe that's why he... <laughs> maybe. I think that uh, uh, Mr. Lerman, I think, took most of the blame as far as the uh, the direction, as far as what he wanted from that character. At least that's what I've seen Sorry. in interviews, because... After I watched Elvis, that's pretty much all I wanted to Google was like, what was up with that yes. accent? What was what was that? And I so actually loved Elvis. It was a choice. So I, can't, I shouldn't I shouldn't judge, but I'm a huge Elvis fan, so um, I, I take mm. I actually cried for like a whole hour at the end of the movie. Um, <laughs> oh no! Uh, so even though I'm aware it has a lot of faults, I, I actually think it's a lot better than something like Bohemian Rhapsody, which was complete garbage in my opinion. Uh, so I didn't see it. I've seen. <laughs> clips on twitter making fun of it and that was that was good enough the music for me. wasn't garbage just the film like the, the music was good obviously gotcha. but you know the film the film storytelling was yeah anyway we're not talking about that sorry <laughs> we're not talking about elvis i'm sorry i think your things are in my seat oh, sorry oh come on you've got to be kidding me Excuse me, ma'am, I need to sit somewhere else. We used to be married. Worst 19 years of my life. We were only married for five. I'm counting the recovery. In four days' time... Our daughter's going to marry a guy she just met in Bali, millions of miles from home. I just really want to kiss you. It's like I looked up for the first time and realized everything I ever wanted was right in front of me. She's throwing her career away. Just like her mother did, so I'm the only one who can stop her. She doesn't listen to him. Oh, champagne! Oh, two, please. Just leave the bottle. Thank you. I won't let her throw her life away. We need to trick her into dumping him. As much as this will pain us both, we have to call a truce to make this work. Just be in lockstep. Hey! Did you make a pact to not murder each other until you murder me first? We are here for you, my love. Yes, we're in lockstep. Yes. Promise. No mean comments. Pretty sure you don't win anything for eating the whole pig. No arguing. No, get off. Get off. no passive aggression. What about aggressive aggression? Try to keep the snoring down. I have a nasal strip. It's a mystery you're still alone. Mom, Dad, this is G'day. I'm supposed to ask you G'day. You learned that to make me look bad. You don't need my help there. Are you sure they're not sharks? Come on, don't be a chicken. You might be working with the sharks. Come on. Ah! Can't believe I got bit by a dolphin. What's wrong that? with you? He said pressure. That's he said not pressure. So what's the plan? I say we steal the rings. How do they look? Disappointed. Do you think we're wrong? We're not wrong. Who are we to say that Lily doesn't know what's best for herself? I cannot believe you. What are you talking about? She found the rings. Where? In mom's bag. 
I knew it. What? You clean up pretty good. There you go. It's not for the faint of heart. This is not his first rodeo. Okay, let's go. Let's go. Can we get something a little more age appropriate for these two? Here we go. Which one? There's only one. I see two. Oh, yeah. I do want to see if you are going to be as sympathetic to the uh, Richie Famous as you were with Blonde and now Elvis uh, with movie stars, with uh, Julia Roberts and George Clooney going back to a very 90s style of filmmaking here. And I have a feeling that you won't based on the text messages you sent me (laughs) because, as I said, Australia got to see this about a month and a half uh, before American audiences and you have – you've not said much. You didn't want to ruin my experience, but you've not seemed – See, I I was this. so I wasn't aware you were so excited. I thought you were being like a bit facetious when you said this is the this is the no, ex- this was my Star so, Wars exactly. So <laughs> let me tell you, Michael, this is how committed I am <laughs> to this. I saw this at least, as you say, the week it came out here. So it's a good maybe six weeks ago or a fair amount mm-hmm. of time. And no, my response to it was not positive at the time. <laughs> at the time. Um, I have a, have a habit of um, bringing cinema bag wine into a, into the movies if I'm not going to a, nice. a licensed uh, session. And I drank all my bag wine <laughs> and ate a lot of sushi. So I'm going into a cinema with sushi and bag wine. That's why I'm single, I think. Um, <laughs> and anyway... <laughs> Basically, I could not remember a single thing about this film when you mentioned it last week, except that I did not enjoy it. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do? This is this guy's Star Wars. Do you know, I went to see uh-huh. I went to see it for a second time a few days ago, mate. A second time. Stone cold Knowing sober. Knowing didn't like it. I went stone cold sober to see this movie a second time two days ago. Just for you. Just so I could talk about it. And how was it? I enjoyed it more the second time. I guess that my expectations were lowered. And uh-huh. I was like, I think it warmed. Well, you're, you're the one that's super excited about it. So you tell me your thoughts mm-hmm. first. So I saw this uh, two days ago, um, Friday night. Uh, very excited. That's rare for me in my old age. Um, and I have to admit, I will admit to you, this has not helped my case. That did momentarily fall asleep <laughs> during this <laughs> because it was it was a late showing for me, and they have these new uh, heated seats that I'm not quite used to, and it's just it's just too too comfortable in the my, sun, my theater the of choice. Sun from the you know the fake Balinese sky was you know and the heated seat it was it was very a, comforting. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> this is complimentary towards the film. Also, in fairness, I think it's a sequence where one of the rare ones where neither George or Julia is on screen and all the other characters. I, I don't, I don't care a whit about There's nobodies. Um, it doesn't have even two days, uh, from seeing it, it does not have very memorable comedic or romantic moments. So if you're going back to something like my best friend's wedding, mm. uh, which I think would be like top tier financially and probably well-regarded like Julia Roberts rom-com, um, there either it's the sort of sing along you could mm. you could go with her trying to sabotage Cameron Diaz with her her yeah. awful uh voice um there's her relationship uh with her date the ruse mm. that they put on with uh Rupert Everett yeah. 
Uh, there are a lot of moments that you can remember. God, what is has that been? Twenty five mm. years now. Like, um, I do not think that Ticket to Paradise will have any sort of movie moment <laughs> that you remember twenty five years later, other than. Uh, gee, aren't uh, Mr. Clooney and Miss Roberts really attractive? Yes. And don't we like seeing them together? And I always have a little bit of a problem with movies. And I think Julia Roberts probably falls into it more than him, um, where she's playing, uh, I guess, against her early 90s type pretty woman, where she's playing really combative yeah. instead of bubbly. Yeah. Like she started to do that, you know, even with My Best Friend's Wedding, where she's the, the villain in that film. Uh, her work in Ocean's Eleven with Clooney. You know, she's cold and distant, and they have had a fractured relationship. Mm. Well, that's that's here yet again. Um, but you know, the two of them will end up together, and I think the biggest problem problem I have with this movie is I don't really understand why they separated, other than it seems like they had a kid, and life got... <laughs> just momentarily hard for what it looks like two people who are very successful and very mm -hmm. attractive and have raised this beautiful young woman who's very smart and uh, is going to be very accomplished. And they never really get into why did you all separate again? That you like one day, one of you got on the other's nerves and you're too pretty and perfect. You're like, I can't handle this minor annoyance. So we must separate forever. And not only that, I be complete that. dicks to each other for the rest of our lives. When you share a child, when you're going to be involved in each other's lives, um, I think some. I'm. I'm just gonna say that you know I'm a broken record. More sex would have been nice. I, I do they even have I sex? Could have, no, they don't. Do they? No. Right. They have a kiss. They, they are. They share a bed together, um, and that's you know drunkenly. Um, if the dynamic was that these two were you know physically and sort of ferociously. Uh, combative but attracted to one yeah. another like they really got on each other's nerves but there was some sort of heat yeah. that brought them together i could get that and i feel like the audience would be like okay yeah. yes those two beautiful people they should be together but instead it's just kind of spinning its wheels until the inevitable yeah. and yet again no I, no sex I think, not even really much foreplay <laughs> i think the film is confusing their friend chemistry like as you say the the mm -hmm. bickering should be passionate um, it should yes. instead it's it's like the narrative of George and Julia friends in real life playing ex lovers. Yes. yes, it's very meta. Um, you know, mm -hmm. like um, so we're gonna bicker, but there is no passion behind that. So as you say, you're kind of like, why? They obviously were in love at some stage, but I still don't even get why. Um, why are they so acrimonious towards each other years, decades after their divorce? They seem to have broken up over a property. Is property ownership really that bad? <laughs> like, is it that? Is it, it is currently. Is it that harsh not, in America? Not for, <laughs> not for these not people. For, no, they like are said, very. Unless would, even, I'm not even going to go there with this movie. Like, I'm just going to let that. Like, in terms of their privilege and their wealth, well, I'm just going to like, mm -hmm. whatever, you know. <laughs> um, so, the first, yeah, the first time I was furious. 20, 20, I'd say about 20 to 30 minutes into the movie, I started feeling this is the, the first bag time. bag wine and sushi. Yes, I started rage, feeling furious right? because I was like, why is this not good? Why has God forsaken <laughs> us? Why am I? 
um you know because as i said i don't go to i mean maybe now that we're chatting about movies every now and again i'll see more movies at the cinema but at this stage this was the first one that you mentioned that we might talk about so i went to see it this was kind of like my first foray back into this like big megaplex cinema and i was like why has god forsaken me in my bag line and my <laughs> with this awful movie and <laughs> so i kind of railed against it for the for the you know the last hour and 10 minutes because it, thankfully it's mercifully i think it's under two it just under two hours at least it's not like two and a half hours or something. yeah i um, think we probably have a return to form yeah. as far as the 90s yeah but um the second viewing <laughs> i guess going in with expectations lowered and not having drunken uh, <laughs> any uh, drunken blackouts or anything like that I do think it, I do think it warms up a little bit more as it goes along. Um, there are a few scenes that gave me a, a bit of a chuckle, and the audience that I was with, which was primarily like nursing home aged, um, <laughs> uh, they were chuckling. I see what you're doing there. Yeah, they were chuckling more <laughs> than I was, but that was good to hear that some people were finding it funny. Um, it's just it's really oddly written and directed because it's like things happen it's very plot driven and i don't and it's a very basic bitch plot and which is fine in a romantic like no one's expecting a romantic comedy to be like war and peace or something but there's barely any character development for anyone um they're relying solely on this george and julian narrative which if i'm being brutally honest what films have they even appeared in together i don't know <laughs> oceans just the oceans. Can, um, can I share a I think. secret? I've never seen those movies. <laughs> so, oh, wow. You missed out. Um, so for me, I'm like... The first one. Is good? Uh, I, well, I mean, obviously the remake, but the, the first one is probably, you know, everything this is trying to achieve as far as okay. that dynamic of George and Julia, will they get back together type thing. Okay. Um, well, they do appear, I think, in... Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, but I don't think they share a share the screen together. George Clooney's maybe his only no no his directing debut before Good Night and Good Luck and okay. um George likes Julia Cold in both and all <laughs> in any sort of Clooney joint uh, she is going to come in angry um yeah okay so you you mentioned the uh. The senior citizen uh, brigade, I guess, coming out uh, for this, and I did notice that the, I think the director here, uh, Ol Parker, is that the name yeah. of the filmmaker? Uh, I believe he wrote the um, best exotic yes. marigold. <laughs> the best exotic if marigold. Only yes. this movie was as good as the best exotic. Marigold. <laughs> Maybe they should have put George and Julia in an Indian hotel. <laughs> yeah. And of course, the uh, you know uh, he did the Mamma Mia. Here we go again. Not the you know the proper no, Mamma Mia, but he he got in on the the sequel. <laughs> I did read it in an article an interview where he said that he uh, he only wanted to do this project if uh, they could get he, uh, Julia he, Roberts and George I, Clooney. Which the same article I think apparently he wrote it. He actually called them George and Julia in the script or something <laughs> in the first. Oh, or okay. Something like. <laughs> Yeah, it's a good pro problem to have for for Ol Parker to be like my next film must have Julia Roberts and George Clooney because it it coasts off that yeah. star power. That I mean, that's I, I did enjoy my time with it when I was you know conscious and not in love with the heated seats. 
but I realized like I'm only enjoying this because I just want to go back yeah. to the days of like just movie stars with the most minor of plot. Yeah. And this is not connected to anything. This is not a part of a franchise that they want to start. I just want to see movie stars go to a wedding and shenanigans ensue. And it gets a lot of run, for me at mm. least, off of that chemistry yeah. of just enjoying these two movie I stars. I just want to believe in love again, don't we all? Come on, let's let's uh, <laughs> let's all embrace <laughs> embrace the rom the romance. But as a... you may be asking a lot of Ticket to Paradise if you need it <laughs> to complete that for you. Are you telling me that this film is not going to instill faith in love? Listen, even the side characters are so bizarre. I mean, Bill, you've got a problem in a film when. The character of the daughter who, you know, this whole film is, the whole thrust of this film is that she wants to get married to some guy she just met, a seaweed farmer in Bali, mm -hmm. or in Queensland, Australia, pretending to be Bali. God help any Austra American that mm -hmm. pays heaps of money to fly to Bali and thinks that's what Bali looks like. <laughs> because as someone that's been to <laughs> Bali, Bali's basically just full of drunk Australian bogans. <laughs> and it definitely does not look as nice as that most of the time. <laughs> but anyway, when Billy Lord's character is her whole uh, identity is just drunk, horny, never gets laid, and t goes around talking about her childhood trauma to disinterested white people that are very wealthy, and that's her character. And yet I related to her. <laughs> More than some of the other characters, you got a problem. Did like, you feel like there was an obvious amount of cuts made with her character? Because I felt like, okay, she's the apparent comedic relief yeah. to the straight-laced daughter. Yes. But she never, or at least the film never allows her to go for no. it. There's no sequence where she really establishes herself. No. And I felt like, were they just tidying up the movie? Like, we just need more George and Julia I, I think they, cut out everyone else. Yeah, exactly. And I think they figured out that if they're going to go for comedic relief, then the guy who plays Julia's boyfriend, Paul, is better. In terms of, it keeps Julia on the screen as well. Um, and It keeps George, yeah, like, snarling yes, and mugging you know, like, at this fool. Yeah, yes. it's like, who cares about Caitlin Diva's marriage to the seaweed farmer? <laughs> um, as, as, that being said, you know... A part of me was like, I would be more interested in a, in a movie about this seaweed <laughs> And his, you know, struggles. Let's not go too far now. <laughs> as long as George Clooney plays the seaweed farmer. Well, he could be the guy. I love when they drop that line about, uh, oh, we've just signed a contract with Whole Foods. I'm like, okay, bitch, sure, movie. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird how they, they're, it's coded to make the audience comfortable. Like, well, yeah. I guess she's going to end up with him, but at least they're financially secure. They're financially secure, and he's got a gorgeous place, and um, his family's so loving and accepting, and she's been there for 37 days, and yet somehow she feels so connected to this family of, of hundreds. Like, oh, just come on. But again, like, that's machinations that you, shouldn't, you wouldn't normally care about in a romantic comedy if it's a good romantic right. comedy. Like, who cares? <laughs> Um, because it's a, that suspension of disbelief. It should only be used to reflect on the characters we do care mm. care about, which are the the parents here. Which, yeah. 
if they had made more, it seemingly I kept thinking like, okay, so they're against this wedding. Like, I guess most parents would be like, this yes. is not the plan, right? You just yes. met someone and this is way yes. too fast. And yes. also you're going to be living in a completely different part of the world and we don't have access to you anymore. Yes. On, on. But I kept expecting them to reflect on perhaps mm. that passion is like, that's what derailed them is that they mm. made these rash decisions and they jumped in with someone that they didn't want to share a life with. But the film doesn't really want to say that because it's like it wants Julie and George to get back together. It's like we don't mm -hmm. want to demean like, no, 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 they should have stayed together. So we don't mm -hmm. want to look at them as perhaps at fault for anything they did because they're beautiful and they're movie stars. Mm -hmm. They can't make, you know, the only fault they had is that they left to not be with other movie stars. How stupid of them to do that. I, I think that it's, if there was a little bit – I mean, I think George Clooney has a career of, especially in comedy, playing fools and idiots. Like when he, yeah. whenever he's in a Coen Brothers movie, he's a complete imbecile. Yeah. So I don't think he would have been concerned. But I think it's playing to the audience expectations, at least for this film, of you want to be Julia Roberts or you want to be George Clooney. Yeah. So you don't – as soon as you start showing that they are you know prone to mistakes – it ruins the whole illusion, which is yeah. <clears throat> that's why I mentioned my best friend's wedding. That is one of my favorite rom-coms mm. because I enjoy rooting for someone who is terrible. Yes. <laughs> Roberts is an asshole. And I love that we have rom-com where, where are we aspiring to be Julia Roberts? I don't think so, but it's a lot of fun to watch her just be a wrecking ball to yes. other people's hopes and dreams. And, and I think in that film, you even though she is sort of doing terrible things, you can completely understand her her drive and her motivations behind it. Like that idea that this person that you kind of thought was always going to be there <laughs> as a um, uh, an option for you is suddenly taken away. Um, so yeah, I think I think you can you can root for her in that in that sense. And also, as I say, when it's funny, it doesn't matter. <laughs> like as long as it's funny and well written. You can kind of be an asshole, and and we still want, you know, that's the whole premise of the antihero in a sense. Like, if if the character is well developed and well written, whether it's funny or dra dramatic, you, you're going to empathise with them. Um, it's kind of hard to have empathy for, <laughs> for um, any of of these people, but you know, to be fair, on that second viewing, as I said, I would say there was at least you know, 40 to 50% of the scenes that I enjoyed. I was like, this is, you know, I don't mind. As you say, See? it's like a warm blanket, you know, just... It is working as designed. Yeah. This is comfort food viewing. Yeah. This is meant to be scrolled past on the streaming service or stumble upon it on TV, and you just enjoy your time with these people and remember nothing about yeah. the film itself. I mean, thank God I saw it again, because honestly, I would not have remembered anything... <laughs> <laughs> about it. Burns out have been like seaweed farmer. What the hell are you talking I would have been about? On Wikipedia going, what is the plot of Ticket to Paradise? Please break it down for me. Um, and you know, I guess it's just. I love the idea of you looking on YouTube for someone doing like a here's what really happened in Ticket to Paradise, which is a video I assume uh, is not there. I don't believe there's a market for that, but I like to think that there's someone doing. A breakdown of this, like they would Star Wars or a oh, Marvel, like Disney Plus show. You could would do love like it. a whole group of like rowdy men doing a live watch of Ticket to Paradise. <laughs> of Ticket to Paradise. <laughs> I think that would be like 
tops. I would love to watch that. <laughs> a post credit scene where like Brad Pitt shows up and people lose their fucking minds. Well, they, they do like, mention yes, Brad the Pitt one. in the post credit scene. They do. I guess that's you know, that's the best exotic Marigold yeah. Hotel like demo. That's the best we get is a shout out. Oh, it's gonna be a beautiful wedding. Here you are, standing on the precipice of something so much bigger than anyone here. But always remember, you are not alone. I don't think that we met. I'm Sarah. Niles. Hi. Hi. Good day so far. Today, tomorrow, it's all the same. You, what is going on? Hey, get out of the water, girl! Guess you followed me. It's one of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. Now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work. <laughs> Let's waste some time. You want to uh, dance? Know the officiant? He's got a bag of sweets in his pocket. You're right. Got him. I can't keep waking up in here. Everything that we are doing is meaningless. I hope it's not all meaningless. At least you have each other. Nothing worse than going through this shit alone. There's a bomb in the cake. Don't worry. I used to be a bomb guy. Stand back! I want to uh, switch gears to Palm Springs because we're talking about, I guess, the expectations that we have as an audience for like movie stars and like how, like how far we sort of penetrate, I guess, the sort of the veneer of like the the rich, the wealthy, the attractive, and you have someone like Andy Samberg, who for I don't know ninety percent of this film wears like a horrific like Hawaiian shirt, you know, bold colors, shorts to a wedding and has a beer can in his hand. And I thought, yeah, there's no, cause I watched these, I watched this one the day after and I'd never seen Palm Springs where it came out in summer of 2020 on Hulu. It's one of the sort of the COVID things that yes. just, you know, it just went past me and I just did not make time for it. But I did have the thought, I'm like, yeah, you're not seeing Clooney's character distraught and ticket to paradise <laughs> in this garish shirt, <laughs> drinking beer, like aimless and hopeless in this beautiful setting. 
and but it resets your expectation, right? We don't have any sort of expectations for the dude from the Lonely Island in SNL to be uh, aspirational. Like, oh, I want to be that guy. Like, we want yeah. to see him put through the ringer yes. and Palm Springs uh, does does just that. Yeah. Um, now, this is one I think you had said – had you seen this one a few I times? Did I did see think you I saw it um, when it came out probably about a – I didn't see it straight away. Um, it was probably like a month because it came out on Amazon here, not on Hulu. Um so I probably saw it like a few months after it came out in the US. Um, and I, it, it was kind of one of those people were raving about it online. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like, <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> always a good way I know, to go in. I know. That's always movie. me. You know, like when I hear people start raving or something, I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. I like it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, and I do remember actually quite liking it when I saw it the first time, but you know, who remembers anything during fucking COVID? Like, mm. <laughs> my house could go on fire and I'd probably be like, yeah, I like it, you know. <laughs> you had you had other things to do in Australia, like try to kill Tom, Tom Hanks. Hanks. That was more on your... Try and ruin Elvis and <laughs> Colonel <listed>. Parker. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, re-watching it, uh, I saw it well, probably about a month ago, Um I went in thinking like, yes, I'm going to enjoy watching this again, I think, because it is a type of film I think benefits from rewatching if you liked it. Um, and, yeah, I just, after having seen Ticket to Paradise, I'm like, how, no, no, I'm just like, how can, it just goes to, it, it, and this is no disrespect to Ticket to Paradise because it has things that this film mm. doesn't, um, but having a great script, what a difference that makes in terms of not only originality of the story within a story that's been done so many times in terms of time travel. And we've literally just, we basically spoke about an inferior version of this film a few weeks ago. <laughs> Meek, you, mm -hmm. you know, they're so similar in a lot of ways. Um, and doing so with no star power, really. I mean, who, who in Australia knows who Andy Samberg is? They'd be like, oh, it's the guy from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Um, and Kristen Milioti, or I can't never pronounce her name. I think that's how it's pronounced. I I still don't know who she, She's she the, is. She's the mother from How I Met Your Mother. Oh, see, I'm, that's a that's a pop cultural <laughs> blind spot for me, like Harry Potter. I missed out <clears throat> on that that craze to know who the, who the mother was going to be. She was in Wolf of Wall Street. She played Leonardo DiCaprio's first wife. Um. Oh, she's she... and then uh, another Australian comes in exactly, and, and just that. you know steals like... Leo. Hello, <laughs> bloody br blonde stealing men from brunettes. I won't have it um, <laughs> as a brunette. <laughs> I, I think she's. I think she's a real great talent. I, I'm really sad that I don't. There's, there doesn't seem to be. I want to know what she's doing next because I think she's amazing in this, and so is Andy Samberg. Um, I just. I don't know. It's just it, it actually rewatching it kind of restored my faith in. I mean, it's not the you know it's. I'm not saying it's a masterpiece or anything like that, but it's just it's just unique enough, funny enough, rude enough, edgy enough, and actually romantic enough. Genuinely, in my opinion, to give me some faith that there can still be good hmm. romantic comedies. What about yourself? I did what Ticket to Paradise <laughs> could not uh, for you. <clears throat> no, I uh, 
I don't want to say like shockingly really like this because I I didn't have anything against any of the people involved. And I remember when it popped up on my like, you know, Hulu app, I'm like, oh, I should watch that. That looks interesting. And then, of course, never did. But here's the problem. OK, like I've, I've been accused by friends and other other podcasters that um, I guess I am so beholden to the theatrical experiences where real movies live. And so Ticket Paradise comes out. I will see it Friday night opening mm. weekend. I'm like I will I will make way to leave the house and go observe this. Excuse me, I have heated it. seats to get to. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, and it was a fairly older crowd that I saw this was. I'm pretty sure I saw some blankets as well. People were getting really fucking cozy. Was there bed sores Next time I'll ask. I'll take my phone around. Like this is for a podcast. Can we please just get doing a survey here? <laughs> but Palm Springs is something like if it had come out theatrically, obviously not summer 2020 yeah. but uh if it had come out this summer yeah i probably would have been there opening weekend because i'm like that looks interesting i want to see it i want to support this but yeah if something comes straight to streaming i'm like eh it'll always be there yes. i'll get to it well, it does i guess true. it just doesn't feel Urgent. like part of the conversation yeah. really with um so i watched this and i'm like man i i, I was really uh really into it yeah. like i i mean that's what i'm saying not surprisingly because like the premise seems like something i'd be interested yeah. in i have nothing against mr sandberg and <laughs> i don't know i didn't know anyone else involved i didn't know jk simmons was in it so that was a, a pleasant surprise about 10 minutes oh, that would have been a nice surprise yeah. um but i i was sort of kicking myself for that because i i don't <laughs> it's funny i i don't know necessarily if the romance works for me but what i liked best about it is i i don't think that the romance really matters in this this instance i i like the dynamic between the developing relationship between two people that are stuck in a time loop that one of them wants that comfort and security mm -hmm. of isn't it cool if we don't have any sort of outside interference mm -hmm to our life. And I thought it was a very mannish thing too. Like I, like I've, I've got my woman and no one else can ever take her cause no one else knows what is, what's going on. Like we, we will live in this somewhat paradise like setting. I don't know how you feel about going to weddings, but that to me, it sounds like hell. I was like, I don't know if I would want to be, um, I guess, I guess it's a nice climate. It depends who's wedding. He seems like he's just there sort of yeah. tangentially. He's not like the, you know, he's not a bridesmaid or a, and it, it, so does that make it easier? Yes, because no one just really there expects for the free booze and the free food and, you know, the fucking And there are multiple scenes really with like... poor... I think it's like uh, Peter Gallagher is the father that keeps asking, who are you? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> like um, what, are you, what are you doing here again? Quick side note, just because it relates to last episode. Um, I was very excited to see Peter Gallagher again because, like Chris Pine, amazing eyebrows. So... <laughs> He also like these like large headed men as well. I don't know if that goes like they have to have bulky <laughs> heads for these large eyebrows to fit like across their their sort of crown. I don't know, but that's yeah. I always think about that when I watch uh, Sex Lies and Videotape, which oh, is you know that's that's sort of prime Peter Gallagher, yeah. and also he has the that sort of baffled look through most of the scenes, like he doesn't really know what's going on in his own his own home. But yeah, I didn't. I unlike Ticket to Paradise, where I just want these two beautiful people to fuck already like jesus christ just come on let's just give us what we want give me what i paid for yes i paid for these heated seats to be installed i paid for these two <laughs> close to near end of middle age stars to have sex mm -hmm. not pretend Do it. finally come on give us what we want i don't want any dolphin attacks i don't want, I don't that. want pigs to be slaughtered 
I didn't want seaweed to uh, be fun. All, all those gags. <laughs> those gags are bad. Yeah, the dolphin thing, just, uh. I don't want beer pong dancing. <laughs> but in Palm Springs, I don't, I don't really care if these two have sex. And it's way more, I guess, a part of the plot because it's an, an honest question where if you're stuck in a time loop, it's like, and you're limited in your possible romantic or physical pairings, uh, how many people will you uh, bang throughout? And I did appreciate the film that Andy Samberg tries a lot. Yeah. <laughs> tries a lot of different different styles different of people. Men, animals, women. I don't know if it was animals, but there was lots of different. <laughs> <laughs> You've got dolphins and pigs on the animals, brain. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I get what you're saying, but I guess for me, I did find their chemistry sexual. So it was, I there was kind of like this weird connection between the two, I think from like a demented point of view, maybe that's just me because she's what's interesting. I think is that the film is kind of not to sound pretentious, but it is very much a philosophical film. Like there's a lot of, it could be one of those, remember at uni, cause we're about the same, we're pretty much the same age. I don't know if this was like, if it was like this in America, but when the matrix came out, <laughs> Oh. Every intro to philosophy course at a university had a poster of the Matrix, like trying yeah. to lure people mm-hmm. in. <laughs> I can imagine mm-hmm. like this would be a film where people they could be like, in your first week at you know intro to philosophy, we're going to talk about nihilism and Palm Springs, or you know, um, existential dread, or something. <laughs> um, this probably <laughs> applies slightly more than you know. I, I want to learn kung fu and having it. <laughs> Red pill into or your blue brain. pill. Oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like, and I like that they're both kind of grappling with different um, issues. She, I mean, we can spoil it because it's a bloody old film, but we learn sort of later in the film that when she's stuck in this, inf- you know, infinite time loop, she's actually waking up to one of the worst days of her life because mm. she slept. She slept with her. Um, sister's soon-to-be husband that day the the groom at this particular wedding and like the i i mean she's obviously someone that's troubled and she's kind of the family black sheep or from the way she describes it the fact that you would have to continually experience that shame and guilt every you know for the rest of your life it's not only like a propels her i guess to at first enjoy the the whole like surrender to all, well, you know, life is, you know, I never have to deal maybe with what I did in terms of like the future. But at the same time, like she wants to, I think she wants to put it past her and like make amends and grow maybe. So she wants to get out of it eventually. Whereas he is kind of coming at it from a different point of view where he's kind of that, that bit of a, I love when she describes him as a pretentious sad boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where did this sad boy maybe you can explain this to me a bit off topic where did sad boy come from because i keep hearing mm. it everywhere and i don't know what it means well, um because you know we're we're both uh approaching i guess death door at relatively the same you know pace um i am seeing a lot of um that early or mid two thousands, like the sort of emo bands, or like okay. you know, it's very nostalgic. Uh, so like and that. that, and I, I, like I pin it on Zach Braff and Garden State is like prime <laughs> sad boy material there. But we didn't call him sad boy back then. We called him no, something else. No, 
No. Okay. So I don't know okay. if it's. I mean, she means it as a uh, as an insult, but I think that uh, now it's like a badge of honor. Like, yeah. I'm oh a, really? I'm a, oh god. Yeah, I'm an old okay. uh, school sad boy. I was there during the sad <laughs> times of the mid 2000s. Your 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 sad boy cred is so real that you've got like a tattoo of a tear coming down. Your <laughs> <cheek>. <laughs> yes, for. And, um, for you know the um, you know late thirties, early forties, uh, I guess white culture. That does not mean I murdered someone in prison. It just means I listened to Fallout Boy for a time. And you had and like mascara hair. and some nail polish occasionally. Or you you dated like an ugly goth girl. Yeah, I kind of missed that that craze. Um, you know, ugly or attract. I don't know. Isn't the the whole thing about being goth that you sort of. <laughs> You flatten the curve to where everyone That's looks. That's why I was a goth as a teen, baby. You got to The same thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you got to go with what um... works for your market. <laughs> anyway. Continue. I'm trying to imagine the goth scene in Perth in the early to mid It's so hot. It's like 40 degrees <laughs> Celsius. I don't know what that is in Fahrenheit. I think, yeah, you make a good point about, you know, her not really seeing this as some sort of uh, gift of uh, comfort in paradise, uh, the, the sameness of it because of what she has to deal with or is reminded of every day. No matter how good the prior day was, she wakes up with one of her biggest, I guess, mistakes and um, you know betrayals of her own um, sister. But he gets to just play the victim going back mm. to the sad boy thing because <laughs> he wakes up, maybe he had some suspicions in his pre-time loop life but he certainly has verified those claims now as he's wandered the same day over and over that uh his girlfriend is having an affair um and you know by the With time an we australian meet, he, celebrant i swear they just are <laughs> they're everywhere destroying love um <laughs> using the c word that was i was yes. like someone's done their research in this film i see <laughs> I tried to explain that to my wife. I'm like, yeah, if you listen to these, which she she probably won't. I think she's listened. I've I've done over like probably a thousand hours on the internet, and I think she's listened to maybe four thirty minute chunks, and that was that was it for her. But I did say, you know, yeah, burned up from Australia, and you know they they do use the c word, and she's like, really? I'm like, oh yeah, every other breath. I mean, burned up's just yes. constantly, you know, just. But I, uh, I think I've refrained not... myself from using it on this so for me, like maybe once. Just because I know it in in America it is quite offensive. In Australia, it's like. Literally... But if this was a a pure Australian production, you would just let it let it fly. One hundred percent. I use it daily. <laughs> it is both. See, the difference is if you like someone, it's like a. It's said with love. It's got a different mm -hmm. like tone to it. If you say it mm -hmm. with a hard T, then you're in trouble. But yeah, so. Okay. You know, usually I'll, I'll say it as an, a term of affection for most people, but, you know, I'm white trash. So <laughs> I say that with pride. Good. I mean, that's why you're on a podcast with a Kentuckian as well. Exactly. So, you know, exactly. That's why, that's why we bond over the international mm -hmm. seas. Yes. Um, the international borders are crushed by the, the white <laughs> trash on both sides, those fiefdoms. Um, but yeah, as a, as a sad boy, it is, is it easier for him because he... You know, the, he can play the victimized and also doesn't seem highly concerned. It allows him to run rampant throughout these yeah. these same days over and over because he doesn't care. If he if he wakes up and sees his girlfriend that he no longer has uh, affection or warmth for, he may have uh, unsatisfying sex with her or not. Yeah. Like, and he still whatever. does that every time. Him. 
Like that's that's one <laughs> of the features of the film, you know, in the terms of the repetition, mm-hmm. is that, you know, what was it? She puts her leg up or something and says something like, oh, and he goes, nice leg. And then I'm like, is that all mm-hmm. it takes? <laughs> Um, but seems totally yeah. devoid of enthusiasm for yeah. it. Yeah, and yet he yeah, looks like he's is... going to cry, <laughs> and seems to and seems to be having trouble finishing, um, mm-hmm. which is you know I guess that's an existential crisis I'm not uh, familiar with uh, from a male well, perspective. Uh, I guess we don't. Um, this film is, I mean, clearly you know 2020, so it's not that old, but um, it probably will never reach the uh pop culture sort of heights of like uh groundhog day as mm. far as like I, I think that this would probably be referred to as like a groundhog day scenario mm. um but i remember on the internet there was there were people that were trying to calculate how many hours and days bill murray spent yes. in that particular loop <laughs> i don't know if the internet has you know the detectives have gotten on the case for palm springs but it does wonder make me wonder like well how old was their sexual relationship like how how yes. many years was this where it's, you know, it's old hat for him at, but, at this but, point. But why keep going? Why not do something else? Have breakfast. It's there. I don't. I don't it's know. There. Like <laughs> the leg is there. Okay. All right. I'm starting to understand men better. Thank you. I appreciate you. Yeah. You. I mean, you, you took the class on yeah. the Matrix. It's just he's programmed. He's hardwired to. This is what I must do, even though I do not enjoy it. I lost yeah. all my it, love for it. It's interesting because when you, if you're going to the film without having seen it, you know, first time, you're kind of like, why is this guy such a dick? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, you know, it gets revealed why he's not that interested as as the time goes on. But it's also emblematic of his, like, this girl's a complete moron and way too young for him. Um, so is that another feature of the sad boy? <laughs> I mean, if we're like going Peter back to Pan, Garden State maybe? Rules, like yes. Peter Pan, sad boy? The, <laughs> the uh, manic pixie dream girl, the sort of like, you know, ditzy, uh, not quite all there, uh, just to keep me alive and engaged. It's... And I guess when that's lost, um, it, you know, I'm sure Zach Braff and Natalie Portman, if they were stuck in a time loop, uh, you wouldn't even need J.K. Simmons. I think they would start to kill each other. Like, <laughs> at a certain point, it would be spy versus spy. Um, I guess when I was, uh, I, like I said, I don't have problems with the romance. I just am, I'm totally unconcerned with the two yeah. as a viable couple. I, I enjoy their tag team dynamic, yeah. uh, how they're going to approach the time loop, but it's, it was never in my mind. Like, I hope these two make it out, you know, into what, whatever, if they can escape this, I hope that they, they have a life together. I guess that's yeah. like beside the point to me, is. which is counter to Ticket to Paradise, which is like, that's the only point. You were like, you're there going, <laughs> I want to... fuck already. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. I bought a ticket to paradise. <laughs> I'm sitting, my mom's Sorry. like going, I, my mom just walked past and is like, what the hell is my daughter doing on the internet? <laughs> if she just heard that, she'd be like, oh my God, do I need to call ASIO or something? Which is like an Australian intelligence. Is Benedict like corrupting some American <laughs> Um. I guess yes, explain me, to me how yes. to use the C word properly. Yeah. <laughs> she is corrupting me. Um, yes, Asia, don't take notice. Um, I guess for me, I also, at, right up until probably the last 20 minutes, 20 or 30 minutes, I wasn't, I was invested in them, but more just as a, in a relationship. It didn't have to be uh, romantic, like just friendship-wise. I found their chemistry, as you say, like quite endearing. But I don't know, the idea that 
they would take that risk at the end where they she figures out you know start as you do studying quantum physics in a diner for god knows how many days could have been yeah. years and you know YouTube's the a big I'd, help yeah exactly <laughs> skype or zoom chats with professors if you can get access yeah. to them in the span of a day she really yeah. hustles in that Got time me TED talks you know <laughs> <laughs> um and yeah her idea to, to you know blow them blow both of them up the whole cave up at the moment of being sucked into the vortex and that's meant to you know maybe uh get them out of the loop and the idea that he kind of i, I do like i quite like his speech when he comes and she's like you've got one sentence you know to convince me or something like that and he does like this whole like grammatical nightmare of a sentence um i thought i don't know i thought it was quite romantic and just just the idea that i don't know that someone who has been stuck in a sense um both in the the time loop and it seems in his existence and his identity, taking that leap of faith was romantic to me. But isn't he, he's choosing sameness again, right? Because if she leaves, then he has to possibly <laughs> build another relationship with someone else. If he wants that comfort, like he, True. he seems but like a guy he's... that needs that domesticated sort of, setting he needs someone to share this with and once he finds that he doesn't really care what their life looks like he's like yeah this is fine we wake up in separate beds then we get together within the first five minutes and we plan how we want to spend our day as long as it's within a certain radius of this resort i guess he's taking the risk of death maybe Mm -hmm. that's what i find romantic is the the idea that you know of finally taking a risk if you if you've been stuck um, just in life in general, if you've been mm-hmm. stuck in a rut, whether it be in a continuous loop or just life, right? <laughs> to kind of finally put yourself out there and take a risk, and one lead, and I like that she comes to that, death is she comes easy. to that conclusion fast. She's yeah. like, I am not yeah. spending this day repeatedly with Andy fucking yeah. Sandberg. Yeah. I am not. I <laughs> I will blow I myself care. up. <laughs> He's going to start singing "Dick in a Box" in a minute, and I cannot take it. Like. <laughs> Justin Timberlake's not here. Like <laughs> um, the other thing, I think you mentioned J.K. Simmons' character. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of really good side characters that are quite humorous, but his, I like the fact that he's allowed to sort of be outlandish and kind of funny and sadistic in his role, and yet kind of paternal in his speech to to um, Niles, Andy Samberg's character at the end. And it's it's kind of dark. Like, I didn't really think about it the first time I watched it, but the idea that poor um, Roy, J.K. Simmons' character, is also stuck in the time loop hmm. <laughs> because of Andy Samberg's character. And he has a fam- young family and a wife, and he's now, you know, not going to see them grow. Uh, and that's why he keeps tormenting, because you see um, throughout the film, you see him sort of hunting Andy Samberg's character and, and, you know, they, they make it very um, clear that pain is real. So even if you die and wake up the next day and it's the same day, you still, if you die horrifically, you feel that pain. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was an interesting sort of morality test. Like, is it fair for him to continue to <laughs> take this torture out on Andy Samberg's character because of what happened? I'm going to say no. No, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know. If you're think, if you're a family yeah. man, yeah. don't go do all, any manner of drugs at a wedding that you yeah. seemingly didn't really care about because he doesn't show up to the wedding. Yeah. It's not like he was close. He could he could yes. avoid it. 
on that. Yeah. Um, and then uh, blame this young man because uh, Sandberg's character, he, he's saying it to Sarah, his, his love interest, that, uh, look, you know, we, yeah, we can cause mayhem and mischief, but we 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 have to live with it. We remember. No one else yes. remembers what we did to yeah, them. Yeah. Uh, and I, I like that about his character that he yeah. is not really taking advantage of others. I guess the the closest you get is you get into that weird moral question of him hiding the fact that uh, they've already slept together. He avoids that initially when he realizes, oh, she's I'm gonna have to deal with her, and she's gonna remember all these conversations. Um, and I don't know how I would have played that either. I don't know if I would open with someone who seemingly has no memory of having sex with me that we've had multiple conquests together because uh, obviously in a real world setting that comes across as quite rapey. If you're like, oh yeah, you don't, you have no memory of this. Yes, we've done it so many times, but given the context of this setting, I guess <laughs> I'm assuming there was consent involved, but then the, uh, the men in black memory eraser comes out. Um, I like that that sort of thing because I could see it from both sides. I could see it being quite icky, but also from his point of view, you know, that if that's the worst he's doing, at least he's not, you know, beheading people. And then like the next day, just having drinks with him. I don't know. I, I find the JK Simmons character, uh, pretty horrifying because yeah. it's like <laughs> a family man <laughs> that wants to torture and maim this, this young man. But then for maybe weeks, months, years at a time, he's just in the backyard, throwing the ball around with his kids and like, you know, cooking with his wife. And it's like, when he gets bored with that, it's like, what does it say about that, that character that he can switch <laughs> like so quickly to be like, you know what I'd like to do is I'd like to murder today. That's, that was, that was a little bit much for me to, I, I, I reckon I, he's ex-military. Props to Andy Samberg. Do <laughs> you think so? I, I think well, that's, that's I'm the just, vibe. I'm getting... Brooklyn Nine-Nine even being able to share a beer with him because I would be like, I do not like there's something yeah. there's something inside that man that even, <laughs> even without a time loop, he's capable of things that I'm I'm clearly not comfortable with. Exactly. But I mean, he's I just love that. I don't know what this so is about you, Bernadette. What is... It seems like you had more sympathy for J.K. Simmons. Than I, don't did. Have sympathy. I just I guess you can, you can you can understand the anger. I, I would mm -hmm. I go. Go about, you know, maybe once I might be physically <laughs> just, <laughs> just to see once, what it's just like. to get it out there, you know, like just hey, this is, you know, kind of unfair what's happened here. I'm gonna, ta I, but no, I don't think I would sadistically uh, hunt someone down. <laughs> it's Andy Sandberg of all people too. Like, does <laughs> you know? Do you get some sort of thrill? Like, this is not some sort of uh, alpha male who's like been terrorizing this this wedding this is you know if it was uh unfortunately like one of those probably like uh european terrorists from like a bruce willis movie where it's like they just have the look of someone that's like yes let's let's shoot them up real fast and they they don't have any family or concerns i don't know the lead character from brooklyn 99 does not strike me as someone like i must murder him i must <laughs> yes, but maybe zach you... braff from garden street garden state yes but what do you have against zach braff no, I, I, don't go there. I know you. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> yeah, How do I count the longer. ways? <laughs> Which is funny because I remember, um, I don't think I watched it consistently, but I, I saw some episode of Scrubs and I found everyone fine. Like I like Turk, but I guess Zach Braff did not stick out to me. I'll tell you uh, briefly, it was uh, that early sort of Kickstarter phase of the internet oh, like a, yeah. a decade ago. Mm. Where you have a successful sitcom actor who has residuals from syndication, begging people like me to uh, fund his movie that that uh, that perturbed me. 
So yes. Yes. All right, you've got me, Bernadette. If I went to a <laughs> wedding with Zach Braff and got stuck in a time loop, he would probably be. Um, be bad things torture. would happen to him. There's some torture involved. Yes. I get it. I get it. Yes. It's fair, you know. Mm-hmm. I understand. We all have our uh, our issues. Bad boys must die tonight. Sad boys. <laughs> Did we just start a new franchise? And we would only promote it on like Tumblr. We would try to keep it, you know, period accurate. <laughs> Kentucky Perth Co-Production, <laughs> directed oh, by Old Parker. <laughs> directed by Parker. Get lost. Directed by Tom Hanks playing Colin Parker, so, <laughs> Colonel Parker, whatever his name is, <laughs> with that accent. I demand that he he directs oh, oh. our stars with the accent. And if you like what you heard, the conversation continues on our Patreon page. And that's quite sad. Like, it's kind of depressing. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that, that, that watching Palm Springs again actually made me want to rewatch sort of Sue Jessie. Oh, you're going to have me wanting to watch it uh, again as well. Um, I think, I, well, I can't remember the exact dynamic, but um, I think I would probably try. a bit of a sad to... boy in that, too. Yeah. Um, but I think I would try to force a relationship with Rashida Jones myself. I'd be like, all right, there's got to be some something we can do here. (laughs) What can I do? What can I do to to change your rub my (laughs) palms together? (laughs) Let's make a deal. (laughs) You sound like Colonel Sanders here, like you know, licking your lips. This is getting real dark now. Like this, <laughs> once we start talking about KFC, that's when it's like it's time. It's time to cut the cord. <laughs> <laughs>